five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's Kellen. And today on Diversified Game, the studio looks a little different, huh? Looks beautiful. This is Podcast Space Plus. And I'm here with the founder, the owner of it. And I'm going to give him all his kudos. But I first just got, I got to fan out real quick because this is a beautiful space. And the man that I have, man, we're about to go, we're going to start it off in Haiti. But Chief Beethoven, he's going to give us the game. (laughs) I want to know about Marie. I want to know about Pepion. I want to start it off. I forgot you. I forgot you the fed. (laughs) So, you guys. I forgot. He's had restaurants, Cafe Hub. He has pop-up shops here in Palm Beach County. I want you to check this man out. Links will be in the description whether you are listening or watching. We're going to a new level. Beethoven, welcome to Diversify Game. How you doing? I appreciate you and the feds for inviting me into this show. (laughs) Um, It's going to be interesting. Just a note Nosy guy with a a computer. A nosy guy with a computer does it every time. Every time. But let's start it off because so many people don't know Haiti. Mm -hmm. They might not have seen Passport Heavy Jabril's thing on Haiti that he did. Mm -hmm. And it looks so beautiful. Let's start off like, how was Haiti growing up for you? So, So I came here when I was seven. So, and I went back when I was 11 and it's been difficult to see going back because of a bunch of other reasons, illusion I put in my own head. So growing up in Haiti, what I remember was just the family dynamic of all of us holding each other down. So my aunt lived down the street. You know, just family support. That's all it was, always for me. I always saw family coming together. We eat with each other. We eat at 3 o'clock. We hang out with each other. My little cousins and older cousins, we all played soccer to get like we just it was all a family unit so for me what i enjoyed in haiti was the the camarade whatever that word is the camaraderie yeah, yeah and just the unity and how we all walked to church we all it was just community at its finest from what i remember of haiti and for all my bilingual or trilingual speakers, you know, if you don't catch the word in English, say it in the native tongue, whatever. I probably would mess that up too. So <laughs> I'm I'm all over the place. But hey, Creole is my first language, and I'm definitely bilingual. Okay. You know. What now in Haiti when you were coming as a kid? Did you even know anything about the problems that Haiti has? That America no. has too, but <laughs> I mean, from from what I could remember. Um, living in Haiti, I don't think I was, I was told the negative stories. Mm. I was always told about how great America was. What I can remember, my parents just wanted to leave out of Haiti because it was supposed to be more in America, Mm -hmm. but they never talked bad about it. It just felt like there was more somewhere else. I'm assuming also what the news was telling them and everybody else that left and went to America felt like the opportunities were going to be greater, which America is definitely land of opportunities for those that are capable of creating opportunities. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't know how to create opportunities, you're just going to go back to working for somebody at a, you know, somewhere you don't want to work, you know, cause I think that's what it is. People create this illusion. And when they're in other countries come to this country, but I don't think their goal is to work in a mayor in, in a McDonald's. I think they create this illusion that America is better, which a lot of potential, a lot of great things, a lot of opportunities in America. But 
I don't know once they get here and they work at McDonald's that that's the American dream that they were talking about. I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. And you know, um, as a Haitian, you know, the Haitian community um, in certain African places we call it Jangi, but I believe in Haiti you guys call it a Saul. Uh, Wouldn't know, but the where it's the savings account where oh, uh, oh like the flipping the flopping the money, and, um, and I get my hand this month, and then yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I saw my family do a lot of that. Um, the community here, and I mean in the U.S. and in Haiti, they did they they did that. They held it gave that that step up, mm-hmm. you know, and then you just pay it forward and just keep that system going on. So I saw it not only here. I mean, I I think I remember some of it in Haiti because I remember hearing these conversations, but I definitely saw it here. And I and I say that's like the Hasidic Jew Diamond District. Your name is on the line if you don't pay your portion that month. Boy. And and that's what in Black America, you know, I'm from Oakland, so you guys see this red chief hat. Yeah, that's that's what I am now. It, but that you don't see that part of the community because in America, your name and your word seems to be every year it gets worse. People say something and next thing they're doing something else. And we all can be hypocrites, but just don't be a flat out liar. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's what the name, you got to stand by your name. That's all you have. Are you saying the Hasidic Jews, Jewish community, that's your name that represents you, represent your family. Mm -hmm. I think I, I wish we took the same pride in our culture in the black culture that our name, what we represent, means so much, and that we protect it. So little little Tyrone ain't going out there to act crazy because he's representing the Fletcher family, and he doesn't want to hurt the Fletcher family. So, but every community have their own, you know, pros and cons. So. Oh yeah, and I can hear the Hasidic Jews right now saying we got our. I hear it in Yiddish. Uh, they, they're saying the same thing. We have our own issues, and I get it because being able to travel, you get to learn. We're all the, you know the same. We just look different sometimes on that 100%. outside. But from Haiti, and now you come over to America, you get to Connecticut. What part of Connecticut did you Bridgeport? Get to? Bridgeport. Bridgeport Connecticut. Okay, I, I asked about you on Elm Street out there in Hartford. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to spin the block around there just to hang out and throw some parties and go home, but I wasn't out there, so you caught the wrong city in your investigation. Okay, <laughs> it's just yeah. being a nosy yeah. guy. I'm cool. Yeah. I, I'm cool with it. I think I think that you're a journalist, so you right. do what you're supposed. To, you're doing your part. I think that's the dope part about you um, podcasting and what you're doing is. One one of the reasons I got excited at getting you involved with us and you know us building this relationship is because I I adore and appreciate the journalists that could get into this space. They could take off because you guys do more research. Like I do a little bit of research when I'm interviewing people, but I'm more of having a conversation raw with them. So the art of journalism, I think that is I, I love the fact that you're doing that. So okay. So Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Connecticut, were you thrown off like, you know, culture change, language change? I mean, hundred percent. So you got to look when I first moved, when I first got off the first of all, I, I was seven years old. My brother was four. My, my, my mother just told me to hold his hand, make sure he get there. I'm in a plane. I never been in a plane before. So I'm, I'm seven years old and I held my brother's hand from the, Haiti all the way till we got to Connecticut. And all I remember was a package of M&M that I had when I was in a plane I was excited about. It's crazy. I eat an M&M to this day. I taste the M&M like as much. It's, it's crazy how that thing happened. But culture change, I was shocked, but I was always observing. So for me, 
I was intrigued by how fast people were moving and how all I could remember it to this day. Um, but when I got to my parents, my father picked me up. I don't really remember the, the ride from the airport to the house, but I remember when I got to the house, I had new siblings. Mm-hmm. Like, who the heck? Like, oh, I have two steps to the business. I have a half sister. Okay. And I said, oh, now this is your new mother. Like, so the whole thing for me was, was a shocker. But I was told how amazing the opportunity is going to be. So I'm locking only on that. I'm not thinking about nothing else. But culturally, I was I was more intimidated by I have all new siblings. How was your English? I didn't speak English. I, I went right into a private Catholic school, and I stood back my, fresh, my, my first grade year. When I was in first grade, I had to stay back because my English wasn't there. So I wouldn't even... I didn't know how to speak English. I mean, like I'm writing a book right now, and my writer had a conversation. She was like, "Oh, you already you were you were born into strikes. Like you already had strikes against you before you even got started. You couldn't even speak English." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. I didn't even know what was going on, but I learned it watching certain sitcom, watching certain shows, and like I love '80s um, rock. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up an '80s rock because that's how I learned language. That's how I learned how to connect with culture and influence. So." Watching um, way after Family Matters and um, Saved by the Bell and, you know, these shows that influenced me growing up. Where And I also, my friends were, my friends that were black, white, Spanish. So I was around so many different cultures growing up that it didn't take me long after a while to speak the English language, but my, I did not have an English language going on. So if that guitar start playing on November Rain, Guns N' Roses, or some Metallica, you, you, yeah. I already know. Not Metallica, all of, yeah, both, you know, but more of soft rock, more of the um, pop, like, I don't know how to explain it. Probably probably not the right genre I'm talking about, but it is that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, we, like, yeah, we will rock you. Yeah, yeah all that. All yeah, that yeah, other yeah. good stuff. I mean, it's what I grew up in, and I remember we used to. I could never remember the name of the movie, but we had a we didn't have cable, so we watched the same VCR tapes over and over and over, and that's how I started learning and started relating to the conversations over and over again. So, yeah, culture shock definitely was because I didn't understand the language, but I observed everything. Like I. Whatever room I'm going into, I'm watching every little detail because that's how I learn. Okay. So how'd you lose your accent? I didn't know if I had an accent or not. Okay. So I don't know how I lost it. I think, I think, because the English language or anything I hear to remember is a harmonizing. Mm. So I'm saying it in the same way I'm hearing it. So I don't know. I was. I spent more time in school and TV than I did with my parents. My parents still have a heavy accent. So I believe, like, I I'm, I know guys down here in Florida, they have a heavy accent and have never lived in Haiti. Mm-hmm. But their family, everybody around them have an accent. Yeah. So they're just doing what they hear. So for me, I grew up in the Northeast where I was around more American-speaking communities black white spanish around me all the time so i never really had the accent issue because only my parents had accent okay okay it makes it makes sense i mean you know in the northeast forget about it everybody yeah, you know yeah. cursing and well, that, that's, that. that's new york there's different parts of new york because everything's different so boston have their own swinging thing mm-hmm. um 
Connecticut, very similar to New York, but then there's different parts of New York that have it totally strong. Like, you know, yeah, Philly, Strong, Jersey, I, strong you know, Island. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is different. Brooklyn. For, I didn't forget you. Yeah. 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 And my family, my family I moved into Brooklyn first, then they moved into um, Connecticut and just kept it going. So. Okay. Okay. So you, you get your English down. Did you always know you wanted to have your own business? Yeah, I promise you, I knew I was different when I was like 11, 12. I knew I didn't want the same thing that everybody else wanted. I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And the more was just in coalition of just I wanted to free so many different people in my family and give them opportunities that I saw other people having. So I knew I wasn't able to do it just working at a McDonald's or what my parents were doing at a blue-collar job, you know, factory job. They were... I saw them going to work to come home to complain. Mm. So it's never going to make sense to me. So I knew the capacity that I wanted to bring. You know, I have a thing where I just want to think I, I could save everybody. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to save my family earlier on. So I knew I could not do it by just, they. you know, I could, if I wasn't going to bring more impact, more value, I wasn't going to be able to do that. How much of that was because of what your mom named you? I know in, you know, other interviews you've talked about, you know, she the, she gave you that name because she knew you'd do great things. So was that always just on the brain even as a child? Yeah, I think that's the foundation of it, um, of just she expected more from me. She expected I was going to give more to the world than just the basic, you know, regular. Well, I don't know. I don't know what regular people do, so I'm sorry. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but I just knew there was an expectation for me. Not they didn't really tell me you. I want. I expect more from you, but it was just like a standard. Like mm-hmm. just we not coming out this low. I don't, well for me, it pro- they probably treated me a little different. Where they because I was vocal, I wanted more. Um, yeah, I look at. It, I walk into a classroom. I'm a big little black. I'm a big black kid named Beethoven Francois. So the teachers expected more from me. The, my peers expected more from me. My leadership was organic. You know so. I always created in my own perception that people expect more from me. Mm-hmm. Those standards stuck with me. That didn't allow you to miss some of the BS because in Bridgeport, in that time, Amorare, Latin Kings, you got the bloods, you yeah. got the gangs. Like, were you able to avoid that because you already No, nah, I was with the shits. I taste that. I, I'm, I'm from the mud. I'm from the streets. So it's like, I was influenced by that culture. Like, I grew up I said this in a couple of interviews. I grew up, my idol was John Gotti and the dope boys down the street from me. Yeah. Because I saw my blue-collar, hard-working parents coming home just depressed and sad and angry and how much they hate their job. I mean, they didn't really complain like that. It's just you could tell they were exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, so I was influenced by the streets. I wanted to see what it was like. Because everybody I saw lived different than my parents were living. You know, so I wanted to taste that life. And... Gang banging, you know, Latin Kings, you know, Brotherhood, all these gang. I, I, I seen it all because my friends were involved with all of it. You know, I mm-hmm. was too lazy to stay in a gang, meaning I was, I was like, I'm I'm so. <laughs> we got to show up to something. Yeah, yeah, and we got like, to jump somebody in. One guy and I'm going to let, nah, man, get out of here with all that. But I, you know, I always had our, we always had our own crew. And the benefits of me is because. I went to Catholic school early, you know, until about high school when I got kicked out of my high school, private school. But I always had different peers. When I go back home, I'm in the hood. Mm-hmm. Then when I started hanging out in different communities, 
you know, I'm with this crew, I'm with that crew. So I basically was part of seven gangs at one time. <laughs> um, but it really wasn't gang, it was just crews. Like we all hung out and we held each other down. Um, so, but that was a real thing in my neighborhood. I remember they had to block streets off because the gang wars were so crazy. I remember when I got to my high school, I remember some real street things. And I'm realizing it now, like I'm watching kids that are like freshman, sophomore year. And I remember us toting guns around that time. Mm-hmm. I remember we had lot, like there was locker rooms in my high school where we knew there was guns there. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends had a gun in his book bag and they came and searched our classroom, our African-American history classroom that... <laughs> I could never forget. We we got they ran in our classroom. They started searching one of my friends. To this day, you still thank me. I told my baseball coach, don't search his bag. Because huh. he had the pistol on him. So my coach act like, you know, you know, just still a community guy. So he uh, listened. I appreciate him listening and just giving him a pass. But yeah. he still ended up in prison for selling, got caught with some bricks. So Rich working at it. And from Connecticut, and, and we're going to go back and forth. I'm good with that. Like, this is the tri-state. You know, you might hit me in New York, but in 30 minutes, I'm going to be in Connecticut, and then, Yeah, you know, there's different parts. Yeah. we forgot we, you're a journalist. We, we, we gonna hit. Well, also, we lived in Springfield. I got married in Springfield, Massachusetts, okay. to my wife. So, I, you know, and I was at 15 going to New York to get clue tape. So, yeah, I know yeah, something yeah, about yeah. I know something about it. Now, when you went to Atlanta... Talk about culture shock. Connecticut to Atlanta. Yeah. Different. How did that go? And what did you go to Atlanta to go to school, college? Like, no, I went happened? to Atlanta to escape my my reality. You know, I was I was knee deep in the streets. I had a I had a tough relationship with a lady. Um, I wanted to free. I wanted to be free. So I I escaped. I literally, it's crazy. The story's so nuts, man. Sheesh, Kellen. So I literally a day before I'm on I'm on the corner of our neighborhood and the lady pull up to me. It was like, you got to leave this area. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, lady? She's like, she, she told my, she said something about my brother. I'm like, okay, how she know my brother? She's like, you guys got to leave this area right here. You got to leave this area. So I remember some of my homeboys went across the street. That's how that's how we think. We so smart. We're gonna leave here, but we're gonna cross the street. <laughs> Maybe that's because I told them. And then I, I I took off and left and I told my brother, like, you know this lady that pulled up? He's like, that same lady two years ago told me about something and somebody done something, something, something. I'm like, nah. The next day they shot up the block. Mm, prophetess. I was like, so this day I don't know who this lady is, but changed my life. Your angel. So that week. I go to my parents. I'm like, I got to leave. I, I'm going through so much staying, so much life changes. And it's like, I want to do good. I want to do right. Um, I know my purpose in life. I know I want to build businesses, but I have, I mean, I'm influenced by my community. You know, I'm, I'm, my environment built this guy that have to protect him, his family. You know, now I'm the oldest now, now I have a stepbrother and a stepsister that's older than me, but, their lifestyle and my lifestyle were different. So now I got to protect my brother and my little cousins and my friends. So I become this, this guy you'll see on TV, yeah. you know, to protect that, my family. Um, in that process, I dealt with a bunch of different things and it just was getting darker and darker and darker. And I, that, that, that went that Tuesday, it was, this happened on a Monday. They shot up the block. So stupid. 
on that Tuesday, I went to my parents' house and was like, I got to leave. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? What are you talking about? So the only person I knew was my little brother and my um, my parents. Nobody else. I was break, separating with a lady that, that moment. I had some other things around me. I had people that owe me money. At, mm. My parents said I have like $2,000 for you, $1,500, whatever it was. So I had my little money. Wednesday, I took a backpack and left everything. I left cars. I left apartments. I left, just left and went to, because I had to, it was just, I was too comfortable being in that position. And then the block gets shot the same day, the day before. I'm a, I'm a very spiritual man. When God speak, I listen. Mm -hmm. So I, boom, boom, gone. I moved down there with my little cousin and then, I was influenced by the Atlanta culture, man. How old were you? 22, 23, okay. no more than 23. So you were grown out of high school. Where Was college in your mind? Or yeah, you so I, I literally, I had opportunities to go to college, free rides, football, just, I never took anything serious. I didn't take my education serious. Like, mm-hmm. I remember teachers telling me they'll give me a passing grade if I don't come into their class because I was so disruptive. Mm-hmm. Like, disruptive like class clown or are you bullying people in the class so I don't, what's the difference at this day and age you know it's different yeah. today because we all crack jokes for each other up north yeah. we grow up cracking jokes yeah like, yeah that's all we did we we crack jokes on each other well it was a time too where you had things like uh what was it uptown comedy club you know yeah it was all the the, it was yeah. all your mama jokes yeah, like, yeah we had a bunch of your mama jokes like it in was living color you yeah, know so yeah. i grew up on that so we just cracked jokes but i really never thought or knew that I was actually hurting somebody because mm-hmm. they cracked jokes on me. We yeah. just cracked jokes on each other, so it just kept on going. But, you know, I I would have money in my pocket. I was cool. I had shit. I, I was the man. So school was dumb to me. Like, I mm-hmm. went there to hang out and make money. Yeah. I gambled every day. We literally had blackjack gambling rings in the school that I pay for this floor. You pay for that floor. We, man, my I, I was training how to be a businessman all through growing up. Mm-hmm. Can never forget my homeboy, Eddie. We went and shoved part of that process. I remember we had a bright idea. We we're going to go shovel snow from 6 a.m. to like midnight, 2 in the morning. I got my behind whooped so bad because I wasn't supposed to be out. I'm, we're 12, 13, probably 14 at the max. I'm gone all day. My parents, we have no self. We have no nothing. But I'm, I came back with like $300 in my pocket. I was rich. Yeah, yeah. We probably didn't make that much. But I know we went out there and we, we shoveled, we shoveled, we shoveled. So the grind was in me. I had the entrepreneur spirit, but I'm a product of my environment. Yeah. I didn't have the uncle that had a boat that could take me out in his boat or show me this or show me that. I didn't want to see what my, my, nobody in my family was doing because they were just another blue collar, poor family. Mm-hmm. They worked hard, so I saw that consistency, um, but they didn't have the things that I wanted. So, you know, growing up in high school, I had all the opportunities to play football, um, but I I got injured, got treated different after I got injured. Um, but I wasn't really into it. I wanted to make money. Like, yeah. It wasn't because I saw money freeing people. Yeah, I didn't see anything else. So I wanted to get to the money. So I went to two semesters. I remember college paying for my applications. I, all that sport thing, I was like, yo, this is cool. But 
I know this dude down the street is doing some numbers. He has a BMW. He has a Jaguar. He has, yeah, you guys look crazy. I'm out of here. Then I did my first, I started doing parties and I started making cash. Mm-hmm. I was a rap. I'm like, I'm not doing this school thing. This thing is stupid. You telling me I'm going to go and I'm going to, now I'm doing 60 to 70, $80,000 a year. This professor is only making 40 grand. Mm-hmm. You think I'm about to go in here, a bunch of $40,000 people talking about, Whatever, and I'm already doing seventy, eighty thousand. Then I'm watching my stepsister and other people in my family go to school to just collect debt. One plus one is not equaling two for me, so it's not gonna work out. God but I didn't understand the value of school. Now I understand it. But yeah, of course, you know, hindsight and seeing the full picture. I mean, you need a crystal ball, or you need to listen to the old people to really get it. But you were in the zone, and then you get to Atlanta AU Circle. I'm surprised just for that, because I know you were at the circle. Let me tell you, I hung out at Clark. I hung out. I, I could change my life. One of the reasons it changed my life. I've never seen black people in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Like this is crazy. You got a Royal, you got a Ben, you get dropped off in a Bentley every morning. Yeah. Your father owns this building. Yeah. What are you talking? Like, I saw black quality and not that I didn't, I didn't, I mean, luckily I grew up across the street from, you know, we'll call it Grandma Iris. I saw black quality. I saw all her daughters become attorneys, nurses, um, just treasures of the community. Like, I saw a lot of impactful things watching and even my own family just a lot of great things around me for black but i didn't see black wealth mm-hmm. i didn't see atlanta is is black so yeah. i grew up with black white purple like there was like i promise you i swear i used to always say this joke we didn't know we was a different color until we got to high school huh. like because we all hung out like i remember my white friends across the street from me mom pinching me when i did something stupid yeah like, we grew up in that type of environment that there wasn't no color. It was just... Community. It was community. It was real so community. then when I got to Atlanta, for me to see how black people actually produced quality and came together and developed. and I had a younger cousin that was already there. So he was, you know, he's moving 100 miles an hour. So I'm watching his moves. But then I'm watching how, how I move. I'm like, this works perfectly. Mm-hmm. How do I get myself in a position to start building networking and then... I was on, it was on from there. I, I wanted more. I wanted to create, I wanted a business and I saw big promotions. I remember, like I said, I'm, let's say if I'm doing five, 10, 20,000, I'm seeing guys doing a hundred K in the club. Yeah. A night. I'm watching the guy that's a promoter also own the club. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I saw the level of success I saw from black people in Atlanta was one of the reasons I was excited moving to Atlanta. It flipped your mind at what point was it Atlanta that you found? I know you have a quote out there uh, that you like, and it, I'm a paraphrase, and it talks about how you know your business people will be quicker to be your friends and help you out than your your family yeah. and friends. Was Scott, it in Atlanta that you found that out? You're a journalist for real. You don't play about your research. So yes, hundred um, percent. Yeah, in Atlanta, but more more so here um, in Atlanta because I was still one foot in, one foot out. And the foot out was so real. Like I, I saw street dudes in Atlanta. It's different. Like I was around the big Meech eras. Yeah. I was around. I I was in a big Meech era from leaving Connecticut to Atlanta. So I remember going into a BMF party 
with Fabulous. The artist Fabulous. I was I, I was booking Fabulous for a show, so I went and gave him his deposit money at a BMF party. And I'm why and dudes thinking I'm down with BMF because I'm backstage now dealing with the promoter. I think it was Chris Lighty. Chris Lighty, Mike Light, one of them I was meeting with in the back, and it's magical. Like just seeing how dudes. They were solid dudes. They were good brothers, but it was just a lot of money, a lot of dope money, a lot of street money that was dealing with allegedly, that whole, allegedly, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, um, because the, the the biggest dope money is in D.C. and it goes all throughout this this country and the world. But, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get snatched up, um, yeah, telling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's my words, not not 100%. yours. But you know, Meech didn't have no boats, no planes, or anything you know, like he, that that he owned. I'll yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, that access. But yeah, no, yeah. I think for me, I I, I saw. I saw Street Money Atlanta. I saw, you know, the big rims. I saw, cause I didn't have that up north. Like, saw the spinners. Saw the spinners. You know, I said, we had spinners up there also. So, but I saw, I saw real money. I saw shoebox money. I saw a hundred, two, three hundred thousand cash on people's tables. Like, I, I saw plays and the entertainment was hot back then. So then, you know, I had a godfather that gave me exposure. He showed me, wealth he showed me private jets he showed me other successful business he showed me development he showed me money he he put all those things in my face and showed me all the exposure and he invested in me screwing up it's crazy everything i'm going through now i cannot take any credit instead of because he's part of that he gave me the ten thousand to go screw up Mm -hmm. you know and then when i screwed up how do we bring it back how do we build how do we learn from that mistake and build an infrastructure. That's why everything I go through now, like I, I'm more focused on building infrastructure because I know how blessings come. I, I'm super blessed, but having an infrastructure to when the blessings come to be prepared for it is what I've learned from my trial and error in Atlanta, in Connecticut. It, I always wanted more. I never wanted to go into the streets, but that was my environment. So I, I, I went and I tried that environment it worked out. I was able to be free from it and never having to go back. Um, but I saw, I, I realized every time I was up financially, I didn't have the infrastructure. So the financial, the financial blessing that never, it never went without the infrastructure. So I only focus on infrastructure now because I know how to make money. Did your parents connect you with Steve? Or was that a connection you made on your own? Because people hear this and say, oh, see, I haven't met that person who will put me on, and I'm just waiting for somebody. I don't no, it have wasn't a- my parents. So it was me, I, you know, mm-hmm. from friends and fam, like other friends. Um, you know, he used to, my friends growing up, that was their adopted, became their adopted father. Oh, okay. okay. So he, if I explain the story, it's so bogus, because he was there. Oh, two weeks out of the month mm-hmm. and the other two weeks my friends were there in their home house they had they were 16 with their own house can't explain it it's very difficult to explain it and he took us in and he showed us the process of life so my parents hooked me up god put me on 
And, and this is a side note. I'm not going to go too much in the story, but at that two weeks, because I almost act like I know him, he wasn't in California for the other two weeks or in Spain. He was in Florida. He was, he'd be in he was Florida. In okay. okay. That's how I end up here. Okay. I thought, yeah, maybe, yeah I thought yeah, I might yeah. I said, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but some stories can only be told off camera. You guys know 100%. the best conversations I tell you are off camera because there's certain business that is none of yours, you know, uh, and yeah. y'all know say at the end of the day. Yeah. Y'all now, say. In Atlanta, you got at that time Jermaine Dupree. You know, Everyone. talk about privilege. His daddy is, you know, king of music mm-hmm. that nobody, you know, they didn't know at the time. But you got Jermaine Dupree, the brat, everybody out there. The strip club culture is big. That doesn't make sense to me, being from California, where we didn't understand. Like y'all really kick it at the strip club, oh, and like, it's the club. No, it's, it's, it's not a. It's it's a lifestyle. Like I'm a strip club veteran. Uh-huh. I'm gonna be dead serious about it. It's a lifestyle. I, people watching this are gonna be like, "No, I'm dead serious." So when that song "I'm in Love with a Stripper" came out, I thought I was in love with a stripper. Yeah, For whatever. The strip club culture in Atlanta back then was: you eat there, you hang out there, you socialize there. I remember speaking to a realtor that needed. I, I was looking for a new apartment to stay. She's like, "Meet me at Magic City." What? That's the strip club. Yeah, she's like, meet me at Magic City. And she's a teacher. And she's... Like, you have to understand the culture in Atlanta. So, and I was part of when that culture was getting publicized. Like, like it was starting to be a thing where the strip club, Jeezy, all the recording studios was in Atlanta. That's where the, that's where the hip-hop culture was shifting to. Mm-hmm. I was part of it. I seen all that stuff in first hand. Like... Shake that Laffy Taffy. Yeah. Like the Justin's expanded from New York to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I remember when they were building Justin. I think it was that a year or the year before, year after I moved in, when they were trying to build Justin's on Peachtree. Like I remember all that, man. Mm. I remember my first, my second week in Atlanta, I'm on Chick, I went to Chick-fil-A for the first time. And I'm watching Tiny, T.I.'s wife. In Chick-fil-A and Buckhead. Mm-hmm. But I was so hooked up with this Chick-fil-A sandwich. I was like, what the? This is a real, this is a chicken sandwich? It was crack. So, <laughs> yeah. And that was tiny before the eyes and everything yeah, else that's been added with, on. It was, it was tiny before all the extra pieces that's been added on to her. But it was just, that's the community. that, Like I said, man, Atlanta's a full culture. If you want to experience black hip-hop culture, and black quality culture. So, but then there's also the white and black that hang out together, that party together, mm-hmm. eat together. Some of the best restaurants. It's Atlanta's dope, but you got to be ready for it. It's a culture shock. If you're not ready for Atlanta, it will suck you up a lot. Because if you try to be like the others, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, um, if you, you got to be ready for Atlanta, because Atlanta will definitely. Change your life. I remember getting my first pair of blue hush puppies and a fake Versace shirt with the chain that I got from the underground in Atlanta about 16, 17. You was ready. And I was I was ready. So I feel it. I get the envision yeah, it. I'm it, like, it's something, you know. it's something special. And then even the downtown underground is different today than it was back then. But you could buy a chain in down in the underground, you could buy a person in the underground. 
You could buy crack. You could buy And you didn't weed. have to step in one store. You could just be walking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so many. Oh, my. It's And I remember when the jerseys was out with the fitteds and the jerseys. Man, Atlanta's special, man. Atlanta's special. And like I said, the strip club culture in Atlanta is not the strip club, like the gentleman's club. It's mm-hmm. it's a social hub. It's a, it's a social house. It's a creative social house. It's the best thing I could put it. Did you find more peace? Because on the, you know, in Connecticut, you got the grinder shops and you know, everybody's getting pizza late night, but anything mm-hmm. can crack down. But because of that weather isn't as nice in Atlanta, everybody's halfway naked. Well, we in a Waffle House in Atlanta. Atlanta's mm-hmm. Waffle House. You know, that's the culture after the club. You know, up north, when you hungry, you know, you go to the pizza or you go to a diner. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is Waffle House and strip club, but the strip club closed at 6 a.m. Yeah. So you leaving out of there with wings and fries. So the craziest time for food in Atlanta is between three and six, three and five. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody's trying to get their food for to get in the car and eat, try to try to get sobered up so they get back on the road to drive. But you know, Magic City food was always amazing. Body tap back then was amazing. Great food, great atmosphere. I know all of them, so let me stop all of them. <laughs> You got again, some things will only be said off air. You get the Atlanta culture. What makes you want to say, okay, let me go check out Florida? Well, my godfather, once again, um, the influence that he had in my life and the position that he wanted for me made me come into Florida. Um, let me give you more clarity. This was my white godfather. That was mm-hmm. a wealth, that was a well off, started off in investment banking that I learned as at, as we went on and then became a developer and was dealing with a lot of the equestrians in Wellington. Mm -hmm. So you got to look at it. I remember Bob Johnson and Sheila Johnson offering me a job Mm -hmm. from BET Mm -hmm. that I felt like I was too good for because I already was making a little bit of money in my pocket. I wanted to live the fast life and I always lived three different lives. Mm -hmm. I was Beethoven at my parents' house. I was Beto in my parents' house. When I was with Steve, I was Beethoven at young, hungry, Godson that he helps out and guy in the streets. I was hove. Yeah. So I had three lives. I was living. I always lived three lives. I'm just learning how to live one now. Yeah. But I always, so I'm not going too deep in my hove days in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I want to focus more on my Beethoven days with Steve transitioning, telling me, I remember he took me down to an event called denim and diamonds and down here. Cause I was a promoting, I was promoting event. And I saw this very high-level production of equestrians and polo and, and the numbers that they were making. I was like, this is crazy. But I was able to see the behind-the-scene of it. Mm-hmm. I was able to see the behind-the-scene of development, being able to see the, the behind-the-scene of financials coming together to develop the polo grounds and the equestrian jumpers. And I'm eating brunch with the Bush sisters. Like, yeah. Like twin sisters, like I'm, I'm talking about the chilling with the blue bloods, Bloomberg. Like I'm talking about like things that Hove don't go to, yeah. Things that the kids from Bridgeport from Haiti don't go to. I'm getting some seeing this firsthand. I remember flying in a private jet for the first time, and the pilot came out and took my bag. That's, so that's the extreme. I'm talking about Beto, mm-hmm. Hove, and Beethoven, three different people. All of them are extreme, but I'm able to live. All three of the lifestyles at the max, you know. So when I got here, my godfather was like, I want you to come to this event. I was living in Atlanta. He's like, you know, forget about this little thing that you're doing. Let's go bigger. 
So I came down here to do bigger. So, but I was had a whole opportunity when I was there. Mm-hmm. And before I made that whole opportunity, Steve was like, come with me. And that week I missed out on the whole opportunity. And that whole opportunity, somebody got arrested for a long time. And I was just going to be in that same thing. Once again, grace, God, God, that was always favoring me on. That's why I'm still here. Yeah. So. And he always give you a warning before it yeah. hit. That's oh, I, in the scriptures. He gives you a warning. Now, if you listen to it, that's on you. But I'm I, super obedient. I mm-hmm. want, that's one of my gifts of being obedient. And what happened was I missed out the whole opportunity. But Steve had me down there for so long. And then next week I was like, I'm moving down. Yeah. So I just left Atlanta again. I just get up and leave. Because I, one thing, I get clarity. When I got clarity, I, I could go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time for me to free myself. So I got down here, and I saw all the... I was living extreme, though. So you got to look at it. I was living in Wellington with the Polo Club and all the wealth. I didn't know about Riviera Beach. I didn't know about that. So the first time I can ever forget, they told me where I could find black people at. Mm-hmm. It's the craziest conversation. They're like, at the mall. <laughs> on Palm Beach Lakes there was a mall they're like you can find black people over there I'm like this is like a real conversation because when I was in Wellington everybody was you know it's different it's different nobody want to wait in line everybody was too good for each other um, and I'm still Beethoven from the hood like I don't know what you like I don't care we gotta wait in line for a sandwich like I don't I'm not that guy you know I'm still sagging going into Ollie's. So, no, not even <laughs> Ollie's. Like, I'm, I'm going into the polo club. I'm going to the equestrians and I'm sagging. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what's going on. But I'm a reptile, so I could move. Like, I could change up pretty quickly by observing and watching and seeing, all right, all right, this is not going to work. Me just out here thugging. It doesn't yeah. look good. It's not a, it doesn't work like So I started wearing polo and, you know, you could have been the Vengelexer twins from the Boondocks, the black yeah, version. It wasn't that. And, it was, you know, come in it, there. Was, it was none of that. <laughs> um, so then when I got here, you know, my godfather was like, hey, you know, for in order for you to learn the community, you should work in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, so go mentor kids at this place. Go mentor kids. Go work in the city of West Palm Beach. And I, I remember going to work at the city of West Palm Beach to mentor kids because I... I wanted to learn the politics, the community. Is this before you started MergeHipHop.com? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This dude's a savage. Um, Yeah, this way, all that is way before. Um, I started, I met, I found a flea market, the 45th Street flea market. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is different from where I'm from. You know, I didn't know the dunks like that. I didn't know the knotted dreads. Um, It was different. Um, yeah, so that was the my transitioning of learning that community, learning the the pine wood. Mm-hmm. Like I learned the hood. I was in the yeah. hood then. At this point, it's full effect. I'm in I'm on go mode. Yeah. I'm working there. But meanwhile, I got a bunch of money stacked up. I got a lifestyle. I have all these other things that I do. Like I flew in private jets. I'm flying first class. Like I'm this not every day, but I've had those experiences and I'm going back to the hood, like to get back to where I'm where I really know. Not to cut you, but you did it and he didn't sit on the stairs and take a picture like some of the posers are now for a hundred dollars no. or oh, no, no, I was in the mud. It, yeah. Nah, nah, this was me, Marvelous Washington, Mike Seville, Wine, like a whole bunch of us. We got we came together to build a youth empowerment center that they that they model off of what we did now. Mm-hmm. 
But um, with the planes, I'm saying, being on the private planes, I don't see you on. Oh no, no, where, no! You know, guys are sitting with their bags, and you're like, "That's not how you even." No, fly I didn't. Private. Even, first of all, <laughs> I was ignorant. So if I had the opportunity, I probably would have did that. But then we didn't have those tools back then. <laughs> then I was then I was flying with a corporate guy that owned a lot. Mm-hmm. We just going on a plane to get to Connecticut and coming back home. Yeah, and I come back home with him, and it's like taking a taxi. Yeah, basically, it was like he my my godfather knew him. He always wanted to give me an exposure. So he's like, yo, fly with him to Connecticut. You got to go to Connecticut anyway. Just fly with probably Rob or Bob. I can't remember the guy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we don't really do names too yeah, much yeah. anyway. You know, I don't yeah. really remember the name, but I flew in with him and I flew back with him. I flew in the private jet about twice. But that experience was the exposure that I had. But then my godfather was like, no, you need to go back to to see the clarity of where you are. Which that transition was great for me because I was such on a high horse and doing all these things and living a certain way. And then when I got back to the mud, I was like, oh, this is what it used to be like for me. Mm-hmm. This is the reality I need to go back. And this is where I could bring value to. Because mm-hmm. I understood them and I also saw more. So now I could bring more with me. But how did the hood treat you? Because, you know, it's not always good when they you got it. They don't understand me because you got to yeah. look at it. Because Huh? What'd you say? They don't, like, well, when, like when you go around white folks sometimes and they'd be like, you know, with an accent, like, oh, I don't get what you're... They don't are. understand. Yeah. So I was opposite. Yeah. I, I I was pronouncing all my word. It wasn't yeah. like, bed, what boy, what you call my... They weren't used to my language. Yeah. But not only that, you gotta look at it. I'm three people. Once again, I'm Beto, mm-hmm. I'm Hove, and I'm Beethoven. So on the wrong day, you might catch Hove. You yeah. think I'm coming here as just Counselor Beethoven, but I'm with it also. Yeah. I'm... Whatever smoke you want to give, I got more. Yeah. So I had to understand that these kids weren't, they just didn't understand. And then I was telling them, like, look, I'm free. I'm giving you the code how you can free yourself. They're looking at me like, you a nerd. You just based on our counselor. I'm like, no. <laughs> I just got rid of two of them things. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm for real. Like, this is. <sighs> how, how did you play in that transition because of course the devil always want to pull you back like this was godfather every day three and and so how did you you know walk that line where i'm still going to be respected in all these areas yeah i i stopped chasing respect Mm -hmm. so i have a lot of cousins and friends and young guys that i know now they like they chasing respect for nobody have to respect you like you you lost. So I remember I was one of those clowns. I was like, yo, I'm going to demand my respect and all these cute things. And I know I care about your respect. So I had to first understand my identity and understand their position and give them space so we could learn each other. Mm-hmm. I had to respect where they're coming from. Once I did, when I did my part, it just works, works together in that, in that capacity. So that wasn't difficult for me. What you're asking is how did explain the question? Well, just how how do you walk the line? Because you go back to the hood. Oh yeah, and, you know you you want it to be all good, but then also on the corporate. But you also always want to stay you, true blue. But uh, you, I'm always gonna be true me. That's never gonna change because this is all I know. Mm-hmm. Like I wear t-shirts and jeans and hats to meetings that we probably were supposed to be in seven piece suits. But you put Hove away. At least in the, the I had to put Hoven away in order yeah. for me to I like Hoven, I say it's just transition. You know, he's yeah. there, but no, no, you don't Hoven's do the there. things Hove used to do. No, I, I can't because I have more I have I'm responsible now for people. Mm-hmm. So I can't really let Hove be Hove because my parents are counting on me. Mm-hmm. 
So back then, I didn't know that people were counting on me. I thought it was just me. I wanted to help everybody. I was like, the more money I make is going to free people. But I understand that my presence is important. I have to be there with my family. Like, I, I still have little cousins that are building their own marketing firm now. They're building their own. That calls me to get information. Like, there's, I'm still creating business cards for my younger cousins that's building companies. And uh, so my family needed me. Your family needed you. But, and I want you to go back, think about it for a second, just a second. That Carlito moment where you could take Benny Blanco out or you could just hit him down the stairs or you could walk away. I mean, God bless his soul. One of my homeboys got killed down here. Um, he got shot in the back of his head from doing a transaction. So that was one of the first thing I realized is getting is getting too close. Um, friends going to prison is getting too close. My position, I always everything was getting starting to get closer and closer. So I had to realize I had to make a decision on right or wrong, which way, right or left, which mm-hmm. way am I going to go? And I knew once I got my first $3,000 plus check, I was like, oh, should I get paid for my brains? Hmm. When I started doing events and people are asking me, who does your flyers, your marketing, your commercials, you do they pay. I pay for that. But then they're like, could you, could you, um, could, could they do it for me too? I'm like, yeah. Give me a dollar. I give them 50. I keep 50. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can make money by being the middleman, by servicing people because all my creative homeboys hate talking to people. Yeah. I'm an introvert also. I don't really love being around and talking to a bunch of people, but I, I always been the one that had to do what we had to do to get to where we got to go. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was responsible to go talk to the people, close the deal, bring the deal back, and we handle the work. You know what I'm saying? So that transition, I just had, I knew it was important for me to be home. I knew cases that I beat already, things that I've been through, and I was like, you know what? God has given me too many chances. I really have to really lock in and live in my purpose. But here you are trying to go right, but repercussions are still left. You know, for what you did, but would you say the relocation of you being in Florida and leaving that in Atlanta and leaving that in Connecticut? Man, the streets what? always follow me. I got right here and got turned on. Like I'm just like I'm. I love the streets, man. And it and it loves you. As I'm saying, and that devil always. Come, hey, no, don't leave me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my. I'm I'm comfortable in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. I, like the streets is my comfortable zone. So it always call me, but I I'm wiser now. I had to get wise to smarten up. That it's like, oh, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get football numbers now. Yeah. Oh, this oh, is a setup. This, this a, person yeah. on the phone right now is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always knew a lot of things like that. Um, the streets don't love you, man. Mm-mm. So I realized that faster and faster I had to maneuver out of it. But once again, I started building a business and I started seeing it work. Mm-hmm. I was getting paid for my brains. Mm-hmm. I was getting paid for my experiences. I was getting paid for my creative um being creative and what I really enjoy. So the streets, they, it didn't make sense at that point. You know, mm. money is money, man. Like you can make money in the streets, but you could also lose your life. I'm a pretty smart guy. Mm-hmm. After a while, I realized, oh, this is not making sense. So I went a hundred percent in, um, and building businesses. I remember all my friends were trying to do the same. Nobody wants to be in the streets. Sometimes it leaves you no choice. Mm-hmm. So you got to do what you got to do to survive. 
Because the help that you want and the level you want to grow to, you, you don't get it. It's not given to you. The streets, you go get whatever you want. If you want to be a $100,000 dude in the street, there's a way and a map, and you could get that map faster than anybody else. Yeah. But to get a map to be a successful businessman, the average guy that's super smart, for like I, I always say this, man, the super smart, intelligent, fraternity black man is not giving me the roadmap. I wear T-shirts and jeans. I don't wear Dockers and shirts like him. So he doesn't give me the same map. So I have to go and create my own map. Now, luckily, they could touch me. Yeah. Now, I'm able to pass the ball down, but them smart dudes wasn't listening to me. They didn't want to give me the map. I wasn't part of them. But if you're on the streets, I say, and you're doing it, and you're doing it well, you're a genius. Because, you know, drugs can sell themselves. Scams, it's all, all that about systems. It's about break, just breaking the game. You're an engineer at the end of the day. 100%. You're breaking the game. You put it back together the way it works for you. It's the exposure to say, I can take this same thing and flip it into something else. A white man gave me exposure. A black man didn't give me an exposure. Mm-hmm. My white godfather gave me the exposure to want more, to see more, create more opportunity. Every time I ask a black man, majority, and I'm just a raw facts, mm-hmm. hey, I, I want game. He might teach me how to cheat on my wife. <laughs> he might give me a little game, how to drink a little liquor and hang out and play crabs. Like, That's all the pastor, you too, know that, talking about. Nah, oh, it's pastor involved <laughs> also. But to yeah. give me game, you know, what? one thing I've learned, the, one of the most difficult things that I've been through in business is how difficult the black man was to me. Mm-hmm. It was like pulling teeth to get some type of game. Do you think that's because on the streets, you're certified, you got your thing. In the corporate, especially with black folks, they're going to say, are you a traveling man? Or are you divine I am a traveling man, and all that? But I became a traveling man thinking that was going to get me the next book. Mm-hmm. They didn't give me the book. Once again, it was like guys hiding from their wives. I yeah. was always good with my wife. I never had to hide from my wife because I was good. Like I, I move. But... Yo, is I'm I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Like I said, I got the streets. You want to be a street dude? Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of books for that, mm-hmm. and they're open arms because the more dudes they have out there hustling, the more money they make. You want to go into the corporate and build a business and learn how to create a back end system of how to build a business, how to build business credit, how to structure your company. Mm-hmm. Tyrone and them. If I'm not a divine nine or a capalapalapa, thirty third degree. That don't matter. And even when I get there, they're lost also. Mm-hmm. There's no true clarity of how to move to another level. I personally never had. No, let me get today because I passed a chapter in my life. I get more resources. I have a lot of great black successful mentors today. Mm-hmm. But before then I was looked at, I was frowned upon. I wasn't re- like, they didn't come to me and I didn't come. When I went to them, it wasn't with open arm. Like, let me give you the game, black man. Let me teach you these things. It was more, who is this dude? What fraternity are you with? Why don't you wear Dockers in a shirt? Why you don't come to my cookouts? Or why? The same routine. And I had to go, I had to tap dance with so many brothers, man. And all I wanted to do was learn how to be a better man. Yeah. Nobody could give me the recipe. Then I was going to go find a recipe, and all I saw them do was cheat on their wives and 
Not all. Once again, I got a lot of beautiful black men that show me amazing things today. Mm-hmm. But in my process to becoming a better black man, I didn't have a lot of black men that gave me the recipe on how to become a better black man because my identity didn't fit who they were. Yeah. So that's my facts. That's nobody can't take that away from. That's my reality. So I had to dig a little harder. I had to create my own opportunity. I had to soak up game from other people. But one on one locally, that's not playing, man. These dudes are jokes. And you guys don't have to cheat because if you really have your stuff set, you can have as what you want. If you can afford more, you can have more and make this a cultural thing. If that, you know, it might kill you early because women are no joke. Um, you know, and and then when you talk about kids and you got to pour into people, you got to look more than just sex because that's the easiest thing to get in the morning. Yeah. You know, at night. Um, <laughs> but it, it might cost you. You know, whether it's well, not. Where are you going with this, Kelly? I'm, I'm I'm going where just letting folks know. Because because people say, yeah, that's right. That's why I got to go to Africa and get me two. Or I've heard someone tell me they wanted to get 10 wives. And I say, you ain't got one and you're 54 years old. Stop. And you can't afford it. And you can't afford it. Stop you, playing you know, with that. Stop, stop playing. So you're into the life here. You got, I want to know about merge hip hop. I want to know about making PR better. Making today, today better PR yeah. marketing. And all so those all, things. All those things branched off of so many different things. Mm-hmm. So... Merge hip hop and all those shows. Before we go to merge hip hop, it was you. You probably missed a couple research. So it was Team Elite. It was all these shows was first marketing and branding. Mm-hmm. You still on Facebook on Team Elite? Yeah, and none of, all them things that's on Facebook. I I <laughs> I need to go back and clean up everything because I have. But I mean, I keep it that way because guys that do research like you. They think they master the playbook and be all lost. So I really keep it like that to keep people lost yeah. and not really know what I'm doing. Yeah, you in Miami over yeah. there. You know, you 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 are I'm so gone. Yeah. Um the streets taught me that. So <laughs> so all those first entities was creating infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Marketing and branding has always been my identity. It's always what I that's what that's my strong point. I understand the science of color, audio visual um telling the story impact um advertisement i always understood those recipes because i had to do it with an event mm-hmm. but f- i hate to say it like that but first thing you got to do is with a dime bag of weed mm-hmm. so you have to learn these different scams images branding bottles i remember growing up the cracked the, the crack bottles had blue bottles, red bottles, the yellow bottles, and all those different bottles. Mm-hmm. So I knew which drug dealer was influencing my community from the drug bottles, mm-hmm. the bottle types. Marketing one on one. Marketing one on one. So that's the first time I ever saw those things. I never knew that was going to help me with marketing in the future. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the importance of those things until now. I'm like, whoa, that's how I really saw all that growing up. But I started building these companies. I wanted to build infrastructure for my ultimate visions. So I always wanted to be in food and beverage. I always wanted to do all these different things. But it started off with a guy that used to work for me that I became partners with. Because I'm not someone that want nobody to work for me. Mm -hmm. I want us to work together and eventually become partners and grow. Because I might have the money part to come in and invest in it or the vision or the balls to do it. Now the other people around me, I can't do it without them. Mm -hmm. So how do I build them back up? So, which he's still a partner and friend today yeah. that's involved with all my companies, but we started to merge hip hop together, Courtney. So, we, we, he had his own hip hop blog mm-hmm. 
I wanted to bring value to it because I want all my team to win with me is different. I want them to buy me the first class flight also. Yeah. So we win together. That's the only way I know. So with Courtney, he had 954 hip hop. I wanted to bring it to a bigger level. So we created Merge Hip Hop in the 203.com. We created platforms all over. Same thing that we're doing now with podcasts. We've been doing that over 10 years ago. Yeah. Of developing these different shows. So Merge Hip Hop started getting so crazy. I wasn't ready for it. All these things that we created in 10, 15 years ago, I just wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. If us, we're relaunching Merge Hip We're relaunching a lot of these things now, but... Merch hip hop was so big. I remember us doing research in places like Dubai where hip hop was illegal. Mm-hmm. We we're calling, like, yo, we want to do a story. They're like, yo, we can't really play hip hop like that in these clubs. Like, what? So then we, we started realizing how hip hop was big in Africa, mm-hmm. big in Japan. So, merge hip hop, we were taking all these stories in different parts. And so, if I had the capital correct back then, we would have been flying to those markets. We were doing already video vlog. We was already filming things. We had access to Miami. We had 305movement.com. I had so much access to Miami and just a blessing, man. But I didn't have the infrastructure and the capital to really maximize where I wanted to. Also, technology, you know, has helped and and laws have changed since then. 100%. Because there was a time if you played a video on your own site back in the day, you get a call from Universal saying you need a license for that. Right. So things have, you know, changed and people have, have opened up. Well, we were up. doing interviews. Like, we were interviewing artists in those different markets, from mm-hmm. local artists to, you know, artists that, I mean, Flowrider. We just started working with Flowrider and Briscoe and all these guys. They were... um Miami local big artists, mainstream mm-hmm. artists. And we had all access to all that. You know, every so Rick Ross, like, I because I started off as a promoter. Mm-hmm. So I had all access to all these agents, these promoters, these managers. So I had access to artists. I was just bringing it into content. But all these things cost so much more back in the days, man. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I had the balls to do it, but I didn't have the full funding to keep it going. Yeah, and venture capital, at least for that type of stuff, nobody was giving you sixty thousand for your independent thing to say, yeah, you can. No, run that wasn't. It was all off the muscle. It was all off of the grind. It was my team. Um, it was my ex wife back then. It was everybody around. We were always putting money in to build this thing. Like everybody, we all was sacrificing. We all were putting in, but we couldn't keep it. The marathon was longer than you know, than we expected. But now, like I said, so today we're going to keep it going because like I said, me and my partners and my new team now, like we have a bigger mission. So we know where we're going mm-hmm. and we know we all just have to stay patient and stay in line and follow the system because success is easier today in content creation. Well, thank God for what you don't have, because if you would have had the money, Meech would have gave it to you. And you would have been wrapped up 100%. in a whole bunch of other stuff. Let me so tell you, I have a lot of, I know a lot of meats that was still given to me, but I have to be careful with that today. Yeah. Me, there's a bunch of meats out there. Yeah. And and it, and also even in the crypto space, somebody airdrop you something and now you become a crypto millionaire on your Nano X. And if you know, depending on how you claim your taxes or where you're a citizen, you can still be pulled in. Hey, you got that. We heard you got that. So yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm I'm happy of slow grind today mm-hmm. um, because the infrastructure like I know now the cement is poured correctly. Mm-hmm. The the beams are 
still, you know, we're building that infrastructure now. The cameras that we use, um, every little thing is something that we're creating a system. Um, you know, my whole team, everybody in the team are, they're focusing on their department that's making it strong for us to get ready for the next level what's coming. So you took it to Hove current day because Hove took his flip. 100%. And he, you know, talk about how, you know. If He's always been it, my influence. Um, from reasonable doubt or before. 100%. Even, way, yeah. I mean, like I said, the street culture is what built me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the good things about the street that taught me principles for like i can't look into somebody eye and say i'm gonna do something and not do it mm-hmm. like my word is my bond i didn't learn that from corporate america i didn't learn that from because corporate america some of the slime ball dudes did you ever meet in the world they could care less about your family yeah but the street don't go to court court is held on on the street 100 so that's why you you when you say you're gonna do something you I do, gotta it, do then, it because that not just impacts you you know, when you left Connecticut, told y'all we're going to jump back and forth. When you left, you still have to worry about, are these folks going to try to come talk to my family about, 100%. you know, some stuff? So, it's, Oh, yeah, I had know. to protect. I remember leaving. And that's why I sent for my brother to move down here. But one thing about me, I've always been a solid dude. Mm-hmm. I might go through some trial and error and not and, and naive ways about certain things that I've done, just not knowing any better. But when it comes down to principles and value and expectations, like, I'm going to meet there. I'm... My father's a solid man, so there's no way I'm not going to be a solid man off rip. Shout out to Pepion. Yeah, Pichon. Yeah, this guy right here. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, let me get some water for that too, because you are a savage in this research. How? 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 You know, have you? Can you see the difference between having a father and those who didn't even have a man you. around? Let me tell you, real life. So I know a lot of um, fatherless males and females but fatherless male i could relate i I could have that conversation and not all because i know a lot of great guys also that that their mom did a stellar job with them but i know there are certain principles and values and just basics that a lot of fatherless child don't have Mm -hmm. we can't relate we you know the blessing that i have my father never stopped teaching me so if i'm around my father for an hour i'm having three thousand teachable moments with him yeah like he's gonna go like i could drive with him he's still he gotta teach me how to drive how old is he probably 62 now 63 oh, yeah yeah okay. my father yeah probably probably, probably over 65 i don't really know okay. don't don't question me. those things i'm terrible yeah. okay he's, but back in there you weren't supposed to know either that's just your yeah, daddy so that's, that's your daddy <laughs> and which is still he still there's things my father i don't know I, there's so many i don't know about my father but when it comes to value and principles and clarity and he's always going to give it to me like mm. he's like from even how i run my business um everything he gives me foundation he can't give me the 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 business way, but he gives me the principal way of just be solid, be good, take care of your people. Um, like I said, I can't even drive in a car. The way I make a left turn, he's going to teach me how to make a left turn. I'm like, yeah, I've been driving. He doesn't care. He's his responsible. I'm his responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's how he looks at it. Yeah. He don't, if I'm breathe, if he's breathing, I'm his responsibility. And I know a lot of guys that don't even take care of the kids the same way. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that don't even know the basic, you could tell in a circle in a group of men, especially me that I hang out with, you could tell who has father, who didn't. Mm-hmm. You could tell who sticks it through and who doesn't. You could tell 
who probably had a mom teaching them how to be a husband than a father teaching them how to be a husband. That's clarity. I'm telling you, I see it in real time. Um, I was taught to protect and provide. Not because my father told me that, because I saw my father protect and provide. So it's a natural thing for me. I don't even question it. It's just like, I just, my responsibility with everything. Like in this company, my responsibility is to protect and provide. Like I'm going to do things like, it's a lot of things, little, little things that I do because I what I saw my father do. Um, so having, I, I hope, I don't want to go in deep and depth as much as I probably would want to. But we'll save some for show. the book. We'll save because they the got to get they got to get the book. Yeah, the book is definitely coming. I think yeah. for me, but there is definitely a difference. And like I said, I'm not saying that there's not other great men out there that did not have a father. I'll be never would say that, but I I could tell the difference around people that I know, immediate people I know, people I've been around. We're like, oh yeah, you didn't have that. You didn't have Pepe in your life. You didn't have that discipline, that expectation. Like my father had expectations for me. Mm-hmm. He don't even play about it, and he doesn't tell me. Yeah, but there's an expectation to be great. That Francois name is important to keep a standard. My father have standard how we move in our family, and when he's disappointed, it's because we broke the standard of our family. One of the biggest telltale signs you can tell how people have relationships, how people talk about women, and even on the simple things of how, like, if you get a cut on your hand, how if you had a man in your life, because a man going to tell you, okay, it's a cut. Wrap it up. Keep it moving. <laughs> you know? I didn't wrap it up. Like, stop crying. We're not even. Ain't no, well, crying, you're going to yeah. get clowned. You you learn that, like, at three or four, you're going to yeah, get clowned. not even a thing. But. It's just, you can tell the way people react. And like, I tell people, I don't do no arguing because I don't argue at home. So how am I going to come out here? I don't argue with her. So how am I going to come out here and argue yeah, with I don't, you? Yeah, I don't argue. Like, arguing is very difficult for me because once again, but look, don't get it twisted now. I remember my father being the man in the house, but I realized my stepmother ran the house. Mm-hmm. As she should. Like, be- she was the poise. She was the, like, like you know how they say a woman builds a home. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I, I see that today, and I see it how I thought my father was a don. Yeah. Meanwhile, my stepmother really was a don because she controlled the climate of the house. She controlled how when he's coming home, how she cares for him, how she treats him, how he's going to react, yeah. how he's going to be at peace. So all those different factors, you know, moms are the real OG, but the ones that we see, the one that gave me my foundation, the first leader I looked up to, my first hero, my first... Ida was my father because mm-hmm. just him being a solid man loved in the community. He was a support system in the community. My father had a pickup truck and he was so prideful of that pickup truck because everybody was able to use it. Mm. He was able to give everybody value in the community. He took pride in taking care of people. So for me, why I give up my time so much and I'm always building because I saw that. Okay. I saw my father do it. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's different than if you just had a mother and you saw different men coming in and out and be, you know, it's just it's separated. Yeah. It, it, it definitely so, is a difference. We're going to get into cafe hub, but before I, you talk about that, cause I kind of see this being part of cafe hub. I want you to, this is my signature question. What is your community give back that you're doing? You've done or that you want to do, yeah. but I, let's get all into that. Yeah. You talking heavy right now. Um, I'm responsible for my community. Me being responsible for my community caused me to get a divorce mm. because I was so community first. 
family second. Mm. So sometimes I have regrets for that, mm -hmm. but I'm able to be a better man today for that. So meaning when I first got into, when I first learned about Riviera Beach, I wanted to give so much because I, I, I was free. So I wanted to go back and say, I could free more of you guys. Mm -hmm. Look, if you do this, 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 and this, 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 all these different things. But I realized it wasn't about what Riviera Beach could do for me. It was what I could do for Riviera Beach. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did was I started creating different identity of what Riviera Beach is, the true heart and soul of Riviera Beach. I created this platform called Good News Riviera Beach, and I created another platform called Taste of Singer Island. So what I wanted to do with that was to develop the, a new identity and give the true identity of what Riviera Beach is. Because I heard so much negative things about the city, like, oh, my God, everybody's killing the, 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 the hood. So there's a, I said, sorry, I don't know if you're cussing your show or not. Did you say what you got to say. I said, there's a motherfucking beach mm -hmm. down the street. This ain't no hood. Yeah. You guys got palm trees. <laughs> Hoods I'm from, it's like building 730 and there's 30 of those. And yeah, like it's hard. You got to use elevator on work. You got to walk down 20. Come on, man. Stop but playing. don't go back to the hood in Haiti because that's a whole, that's a whole thing. different the, wa hood. the water, you know, is, so is, is me, a luxury. When I, when I heard that word in the hood and these palm trees and mm -hmm. the sun and there's mangoes in your backyard <laughs> and all these, I didn't understand. So I was like, you know what? Instead of us focusing on all the two, three blocks that, it's the hood, you know. They 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 want all the smoke. Mm. Let's focus on bringing value. So I wanted to create and develop identity and branding in the community. I was like, you know what? Let me create this magazine. I invested the money. Um, you know, me, my ex wife, the support around all of us. We invested that money to develop the community with the content mm -hmm. by creating a different image or creating an image that we saw into that community. And we wanted to brand it. We wanted to build it. We wanted to bring value. I did a nonprofit organization um, where I was going in to teach kids about technology called Creative Entrepreneur, where we were teaching kids about becoming entrepreneurs in a creative aspect, where you could actually be a graphic designer at 15 years old and designing graphics. The person that's looking for somebody to design their logo don't care how old you are. So I wanted to give the community that light because I was free from that by creating content, doing all the things that I was doing. Um, so I invested on first the identity. And then I had, you know, my balls, you know, I, I get hungry. I, I want I want more. I want to give more. I want to give because I, I get blessed. And the way I keep on getting blessed by giving more. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I'm crazy. I'm going to build a cafe in the community because I love the coffee culture. Mm -hmm. I love what it does. But I also went back from my culture Haitian culture, Island, West Indian culture, Jamaican culture, all these West Indian cultures. So it's cafe and Creole hub hub is the focal point of the community. So our slogan was the, the cafe hub, the culture of bringing people together. That's what cafe hub was all about. So it was a cafe and a co-working space. I wanted a space where people could come in, interact and work because my office was on Singer Island I had a lot of very successful white friends. I had a lot of successful black friends, but they never came together. It was like, I live in the West End. I'm mad at the East Side. The East Side's like, why are you mad at me? I'm just, I'm just, uh, I just buy my condo because I had the money. You had the same opportunity, but I used to hear this thing all day long. And I was like, you know what? I think the community will have so much more value 
if once we're able to put something together in the middle. So I started off with a partner that gave up in the process. So then it was all on me and my family. And we, we had to do everything we had to do to get this cafe going. It went from a $100,000 project to like a $380,000 project that mm. we had to do. Learn a lot in that process. I didn't know I didn't know I wasn't supposed to invest all my money in a building that I don't own. Mm-hmm. So I poured in because the thing is, I had a, you know, my stepson at that time, I wanted to prove to him that we can make this happen. I'm never giving up because my father never showed me giving up. So I represented that identity of a father in the home at that point. So I needed to keep it going so he could see what that looks like. But how did you show him how to make two hundred, three hundred thousand more dollars when you say hey, I never we- gave up and opportunity was coming? I always had my marketing firm. Mm-hmm. So we put, you know, sacrifice, my ex-wife sacrifice, my family sacrifice, friends sacrifice. I need more than that, because some folks gonna think, oh, Hove came back. No, our, no, no, our, no, no. Our no. VC came and saved the day. So no, no. Give, give them a couple tips I'll give, I'll, for that person I'll give struggling some more clarity. Right now. No, hundred yeah. percent. So the first thing I did was once again, obedient, trusting the process. So I had clients like the sports commission, the chamber. I had different clients that I was earning forty, fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollar projects that i was constantly building with that i was earning real money Mm -hmm. i had friends like i had my friend jason that so you know was a brother like he he came through for me he's like yo i'm gonna invest thirty thousand in it Mm -hmm. um i had my ex-wife flip a house that she had on before me that she sold to bring capital in i had my parents that went and got credit cards oh wow to come in to do it um i had mentors Black other people in the community that came and gave me twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, um, that I pay back. Like it's not like it was like here you go birthday gifts. It's like payback. But I had GC friends of mine that Ezra Safford that came and gave me his license because mm-hmm. I was paying another firm seventy five hundred dollars a month or a week. I can't I think every two weeks, and they weren't. They didn't finish the project. Like, everybody dropped the ball on me. And that's GC. Tell them what GC so they don't... A general think, contractor. Yeah, okay, because it'll be like, GD? Did he say, yeah, I knew it, no, I knew no, it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, I want to be... No, I was done with my... I'm a full-blown businessman, so... And I don't want them to get that identity. That's what it is. Like, I'm talking about the mud that I come from where I am today. Um, But, yeah, I had I had people step up, man. Real people. black. You know how people say black people don't support each other? That's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. We support each other, but you got to be ready to be support. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be ready for something that they could support. So I don't use none of that excuse, man. Once you have the product, good product sell itself. So, so if you build it, they will come. If you build it, if you build the right things, the right people will come. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the foundation of it. But I had friends and family. But the hub was even more than food. And I wasn't oh, here. Then the hub, I read about it. I mean, you had, um, you know, the co-working space. I had the co-working space. We had we had poetry night. Let me tell you, man. Like I, because I'm planning a pop up, um, end of the month right now. I had to go back and look. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know how many people we influenced. I go back and I look at when we used to give kids tours of the facility. Like, I didn't know when I was in a newspaper, they're calling me the Renaissance man. Yeah. Like, I didn't know none of these things were actually happening. I remember when I when we were in the process, this is the, I'm going to keep it 100. This is the fucked up part. The city, they gave me no help. 
Mm. No RFP, no source of side, no, no, nothing. no nothing, nothing. Hey, this is the Hold grant. On, but that- you gotta look at it. I'm in the building where the our, a CRA was. They were looking down at me every day. I'm right across the street from the CRA. Mm. I wasn't lendable. I didn't have the business line of credit. I didn't have the credit, and I was just putting every cash that I had. I didn't know I could just. You can have cash, but you don't have the credit. I'm not gonna lend to you. Mm-hmm. I was putting a hundred thousand in the bank and taking it out and paying and lending and borrowing. The bank never helped these organizations, these black love people organization. They didn't help all these. Nobody helped me. The people that helped me was the people. Yeah. My family, we had to grind it out. So when I hear people tell me, well, the CRA said they help you. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. The CRA never gave me a dollar to help me. Yeah. I don't fit their criteria. Mm-hmm. So for me, the community stepped up. That's, so for me, you're going to see a bunch of people in the pop-up because this is the people. The Cafe Hub is for the people. Yeah. So the people love it. The people support it. And doing this new pop-up and going to redoing this stuff, I got a chance to see how much value we're bringing into the community. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, a lot of people get into why we closed. I think I had too much at that time. So I had nothing. So the moment I was able to get a lot, I went and did a lot. I bought okay. a bunch of businesses. I had two event halls in Broward. Restaurant. I had event halls up here. I just had a lot. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't manage that. One time I had over 40, some, like 44 staff. Mm-hmm. Payroll high. $60,000, $70,000 payrolls. And dude, I didn't even know what, I didn't even know how to even manage a book. Mm. I I didn't know that once again the basic principles of business I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't understand infrastructure. I could build it. Mm-hmm. But do I know the infrastructure how you to build the it? System. I didn't have no clue. So that's why today uh-huh. my first thing is to build a system because when I'm up I'm never going to go back down. Yeah. So I'm grateful for my L mm-hmm. because I had to learn all about infrastructure. How did you learn that? Was it a book or a series of books or did someone else it, come It's in? YouTube University. Mm-hmm. It's books. It's studying. It's being patient. But Give them of, one book that you, that you love. Awakening the Giant Awake, um, by Tony Robbins. Awakening something. I can't remember the name okay, of Okay, but if it, they, they can Google. You know, you yeah, can't give it all awakening to them. The giant, you got to buy it for like them But okay. then I had to... But then I had... Um, Spiritual books that T.D. Jakes, it's a white book. I can't remember the name. I remember I was flying out and I always used to take it with me. Um, but the moment I was able to be a better man, I was able to be a better businessman. Mm-hmm. So I had to do internal work. I had to heal. Mm-hmm. I had to heal from divorce. I had to heal from losing business. I had to heal from being for not being raised by my mother. I had to heal from all these things. Then I was able to come back out and be a better businessman. And then learn the foundation. How does community treat you when, you know, you say it's an L, but it's really just a learning lesson. So that's what that L stands That's 100% is for that. But how, how did the community look? Because you know, folks, oh, man, look, he, I knew he was going to fall off. I don't wait yeah, yeah. But you know, the ones that said that was the crabs that never even helped, helped me out. Up. Yeah. So, you know, I'm... Okay. And my foundation is the street. So we don't even play with suckers like that. I'm sucker free. Mm-hmm. So I don't play with dudes like that. Yeah. They will never bring it to me because mm-hmm. I'm still hove. Yeah. That I will still give it to somebody and have and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I just want to be very clear with people. Yeah. Because I fight so hard for what I have. It's not given to me. All of it is earned. Yeah. So when it comes to man, look at him, he fell. They probably say it amongst each other. Of course. You know, our community is a chatty patty community. Yeah, yeah. 
But when it comes down to the the hard work, the concern, the people that matter to me, mm-hmm. they always it was like you'll be back. So kind of like Hove. I don't hear your corny raps. I'm in the air, you know, and that, that's, that's, that's you don't, you don't hear it because you're doing I, I, your thing. I'm so focused, man, that I don't have the time and the patience. Once again, they're not bringing it to me. They might talk amongst each other. So that's cool. That's cute for them. Mm-hmm. But for me, nobody's coming up to me and saying, man, you a failure. Yeah. That's 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 deep. But the cafe with the pop ups, can you give them a hint on what the menu will be? How well, how how often will you do it? I don't know yet. I think organically, um, how this whole thing came about. If I ever tell somebody I'm opening up something, they automatically think it's a new cafe hub. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, every time I'm like, yo, I'm prepping sign up. Even when I was doing a grand opening for this space, it was like he's opening up another cafe hub. I'm like, no. And once again, like we had probably. F- 500 and something, 100 something plus reviews. Mm-hmm. We're like at a 4.9. I went back reading the reviews and seeing the pictures, the imagery, and the 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 poetry nights. The I was like, yo, this is more, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So how do I give a taste of what I might do in the future? Let me start seeing the momentum, see how it built. I end up posting it, like just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Crazy. The feedback. The how could I set up a vendor booth there? It became a whole community event. And I'm like, I just wanted to put a food truck here and give you guys the top five, ten things that you guys ordered. Yeah. Now it's a whole community outreach where it's like we're gonna do the our top hits were the grit bowls, um, the jerk chicken panini, the our basil lemonade. Once again, it was culture. I wanted to bring all those things together to develop what we have now. And I did a lot of things that I like. Like I, but you know, the grits part. I never. I'm. I grew up up north, so I didn't really eat grits. I've never. I've still have never eaten grits a day in my life. Really? And I sold a lot of grits. Oh, let's um, get on DoorDash real. Yeah, quick. no, no, no. Yeah. Please don't do that because <laughs> you'll be so mad at me. Um, but I, I learned a recipe through Southern women. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, once a grandmother approved the grits, I was like, we got something. Because she knows grits. She yeah. knows when it's lumpy. She knows when it's smooth. She knows when it's creamy. I didn't know all those intricate things played a role in one thing called grits. Mm-hmm. You know, so once I mastered that, um, with the help of my family and my brother and every, you know, uh, my team before, you know, we mastered grits. So yeah. once we mastered grits, we knew we were able to take off. Because I opened up the cafe without grits. I didn't realize I was in the South. Mm-hmm. I thought I was building a coffee shop, but the South is like, how are you not going to have grits in Riviera Beach? And I was like, oh, you guys want grits? Started grits and it took off like crazy. So, um, so the pop up, we're going to have that. We're going to do it for two days, the 30th and the 31st, just to build that momentum. I know if I do it for one day, it's not going to be enough time for people to really come out and do what I believe is going to do now. Mm-hmm. But I want to see the momentum. I want to see how it work organically. And then, you know, God willing, I'm able to do other weekends. After other weekends, thinking about doing it in a week. But then ultimately what I'm learning is while I was looking for a food truck, I realized there's not a lot of people that lend food trucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm realizing there's another opportunity for that that I could bring more value once again. I'm thinking about getting a bunch of food trucks. I'm saying it before I even do it, but they can have it. Um, of getting more food trucks to give more food vendors or people that's cooking from home, giving them opportunity to do a pop-up food experience. 
So if you might want to do a you know a restaurant African at restaurant, I could create. You could say I want to rent the truck. Yeah, and we could create a whole experience for. It. We could do the graphics. We get the look. We we have all the infrastructure now that we could influence. Why know. not just get a mobile pod since you're into houses and development as well? Hundred percent. Have a just a, a mobile you know house type thing where yeah, come eat, catch the itis. I don't know, catch us you know catch a nap. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Wait, I don't know about all that, Helen. <laughs> I forgot hey, who I'm talking to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just because we get full, we want to use the bathroom. I'm a bathroom snob, so yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I want to use a clean bathroom. I heard I'm a water snob. I didn't know there was a bathroom snob too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the type of person who, when you're at the airport and you, the bathrooms, you know, are closed or locked, you got to go into the lounge and you'll spend whatever amount to get in the lounge so you can go use that bathroom. That's a bathroom snob. Or when you're going through here, you got to go through the hotel to use the bathroom okay. because the the gas station. It's not where your booty's supposed to touch. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're definitely a bathroom snob, yeah, my brother. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Just learn something new. That's what happens when you come from bigger families. And, you know, some people keep a cleaner bathroom than others. Bathroom snob. Yeah. But, you know, and a water back. snob. I... Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a water snob. <laughs> okay, so what's your I, brand? Essential Core. I don't do Zephyr Hill. I think it's poison. And I had to drink it today because it's all we had here in the office. Okay. But some people love Zephyr Hill. Okay. I'm Poland Spring because I was raised up north. So Poland Spring, Essential, and Zephyr Hill. Okay. Now, I wish they sponsored this show too. So gave them all this shout out. Yeah, for real, for real. Tell the people how important you talked about your ex wife, but now with Mrs. Tory, mm-hmm. talk about how, you know, that combination has helped you just in life. Cause I mean, men need women. The scriptures tell you that, 100%. you know, um, Tori is life changing. You know, Tori gives me the, the belief system. She believes so much. She's so connected to God that you gotta, she scares you. Mm-hmm. She gives you to believe anything is possible because of her belief in her relationship to God, because I'm still hove at days Tori tells me how not to be hove, mm. to stay focused. So that support system is important. So you have to understand, um, sometimes men are willing to give up on themselves because it's easier. Mm-hmm. But you need that right partnership that tells you you're great. You could do it. Keep it going. There's more for it. Keep climbing. And those two... That is important for this next level. I know this level where I'm going into in life, my belief system have to be greater than my actual reality. Mm. Because you're talking about developing a team. You're talking about developing systems. You're talking about developing a, a network with 100 shows. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of family. That's a... My my team is more important than me because I got to make sure they're good. I got to mm-hmm. make sure Tory's good. I got to make sure everybody else is more important than me. Yeah, Captain eats last. hundred uh, percent. And he goes down with the ship. Is 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 Tory more like your biological mother or your stepmother? They're both unbelievable women. I think all three, all two. Mm-hmm. So you gotta look at it. My my mother still mothered me all the way from wherever she was. Mm-hmm. My stepmother gave me systems and processes how to become a better man also she taught me how to cook clean wash to all these things so i'm someone 
And also in my head, I believe I, I don't need a woman in my head. Mm-hmm. I could do because I know how to cook, clean, take care of myself. I know how to put my house together. But once again, Tori makes it into a home. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing about this that separates those pieces because those pieces matter when you don't expect it. I had this bright idea one year that I'm going to live in hotels. Mm-hmm. Between Tori and one of my homegirls, Quasia, they're like, you're a fool. I'm What? I'm living in a Marriott. They got to come clean my room for me. I had this bright ass idea. That's only because he has a show coming out like that, y'all. Where well, I do showing, have a show he's showing you the, He's showing you the, the I'm whole probably not feeling them stick because I don't want to be in no more hotels. <laughs> because I, I really had this bright idea. And they, you know, Tori and this, my homegirl Christian was always telling me, like, you're stupid. You're not going to like it. This is one before we came together as one. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm living in a hotel. You know, I, I didn't want to own the responsibility again of being one with anybody else. I didn't want that responsibility because that responsibility is a lot, mm-hmm. especially if they have other re- things, other people with them. Um, so I had to trust the process again. And, you know, that is a very difficult thing to do. Um, I don't recommend anybody that's not ready for that smoke. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready to take on that responsibility of being one with a person and other um responsibilities with them you got to be ready for that um but to say the identity of how my mother is nurturing supportive um want the best for me she brings that to the table to say that uh, how my stepmother is a forward thinker um supportive rocking with my father from all his eras he took in life hey, just a man you know just um, a man <laughs> I see all that in her. I think I think that's a great question. Um, I see all that in her and her principles and her values and what she stands for. You're never going to come between her and God. So those principles, that's what I always saw in women in my family. So she carries those same values. A lot of you women listening, rewind that part. So when you say, I'm trying to find someone, it's not about your makeup. It's not about you, your, your, your look, your nothing. It's about that internal. That's what a man is looking for. I mean, for. don't get it twisted. My lady got to be bad now. I want to be clear. Yeah, yeah, my, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, no. Yeah, it, yeah, okay. That, they can go, you know, search and do all that. But since we don't make any humans, right, we don't get to say who looks good because everything looks good to everybody differently. But the fact that we have this whole high value man talk and I'm, I'm guilty of putting seeds in the plant and water. I'm a high value man. Yeah. But your high value has very little to do with your net worth. It's the character that you have. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And the same thing with the women. Cause we're, I'm seeing like, I live in a silo. And I'm hearing women talk about on YouTube, and I got this good, good. And I'm like, that's not even. Yeah, I'm not one for that. So for me, one thing about me, I, the moment I found out I was a great man, mm-hmm. I knew my stock was up. Mm-hmm. When I got single and I was free, mm-hmm. I was free. Yeah. And I've realized, oh, I need to clean up a little bit. I need to get, like, when my ex-wife told me all the things I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you're giving me the playbook how to be a better man. Yeah. So now when I became free, earning a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. earning what a high-value man make, mm-hmm. and getting my life in order, and I knew my principles and my value was there, I'm up. Yeah. I'm not looking for anything. But my value and what I'm looking for in a woman is different than most. 
Like, I don't need my wife to be worth $20 billion or have all these other material things to be a good woman. Mm-hmm. I could tell how good you are and how patient you are because a woman got to be patient with me. Mm-hmm. So I got to see how patient you are with the people that you're around. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, make some, it makes better sense. Um, and the belief system. I think you have to believe a greater power than what you see every day to be with someone like myself mm-hmm. because I know I want more and I'm, I could, my more is something that I can't really see or touch. So my spouse have to understand the same thing. And I'm looking at all the other dynamics that makes a woman whole that I could be, we could build together, you know, um, it's a lot. And I, I learned this from one of my interviews for my show, Hustler's Testimony. Just had to realize how to get that plug in. Have to. Um, with Hustler's Testimony, I remember a buddy of mine, Ezra Buddy Saffle, he was saying that he didn't realize how much of a nurturing thing he needed from not having his mom. Mm-hmm. He grew up with his father. Um, and my stepmother was there for me, but she wasn't nurturing. Like I, like I believe that people have from their biological mothers. And... I knew this next chapter of my life, I needed nurturing at times that I didn't even know I needed it. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted something and I saw her do a certain thing, a certain way before I even verbally said I wanted, it, I was like, okay, this makes sense. So mm-hmm. I'm a common sense type of dude. Also one plus one equals two more likely I'm okay with it. Of course, in that process, it should start getting a little crazy, but you know, the, the, the purity of relationship and the identity that we have as a union um, is genuine. It's real. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a process though. And, and very classy as we, you know, we wind down for time. I want to make sure I give you enough time to get your, your last words, plug those things that I may not have tapped in or may not oh, wanted cool. you to know, Hey, yeah. When I tapped into your computer on, on the system, you know, it's they won't be the last conversation we have. I don't think, I think we have a lot more to go. So we'll be able to keep this legacy going that we're doing. Amen. Amen. Cause I could, I, I could have went, you know, some things, like I say, they're going to be saving for the book, but we got the pop-up shop. What other things are you, you know, working on or how can the community help you? Whatever last words you, you want to do. Um, I think the first thing the community could help me is watching all the shows under our network. You know, we have a show power to be, we have sit with me. We have hustlers testimony. We're working on our, 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 our relationship and our deal that we could bring more value to your show. Um, our goal is to have a hundred shows in the next five years. We are opening up more locations for podcast locations. So the way, the first way to communicate help me is like, click, and subscribe. All right. All <laughs> three ninety nine. Yeah. That's the first way they could help is by liking and following and sharing those shows. Um, and really just be part of the process, man. Like you're, they're going to see a lot in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, the next couple of years, because I'm aggressively getting back into Beethoven and Hove, not Hove, what you guys think, mm-hmm. but the grinding um, I locked in. I've been meditating on it for the past couple of weeks where I'm aggressively going to move in the network side and build a bunch of shows. Um, and I want to get a first round of funding going to bring more capital into this company to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's where I am right now. I'm, I'm developing the biggest podcast networking agency in the world. That's my goal is to create a bunch of content, a bunch of shows, 
that bring value into the community. You know, we're I want the fun shows also, but I definitely want the content to be influential. So. I love it. I love it. And you guys, I love it because I didn't even get to ask my questions, all of them. And again, we'll do it again. Are you write it in your book or you do a TED talk? Because I really want to know how you dealt with the community hurt, like mm. betrayal when you're giving your all in the community, you know, flip flops. But again, a great storyteller always leaves something yeah. for the next story. A lot so of it. you guys have been blessed with the game, whether you are watching on iTunes, iHeart radio whatever network even ayv radio in freetown sierra leone wherever you are checking this out youtube make sure you share this game this is supposed to be a conversation to help you inspire you keep you moving show you how people started sustained and succeeded i thank you for listening watching sharing the game y'all be blessed amen are you tired of the violence tired of the injustice police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America. Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. Diversifiedgame.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, aka the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mazungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. From Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town, Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. So opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling. Give up the stress, grind, and violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifiedgame.com.